And I think it's an opportunity that a lot of lawyers are missing, right? Because we want to come in in this box, in this in this nice, like, pretty little box of like what fits uh, what a lawyer is supposed to do. And I think that's that's a, a missed opportunity because if you only think about think about us as reactive, then you're only going to come to us when you're in fires. But if I help you strategize and be be, be proactive and be intentional about your, your your thinking about how you build your business, and I can show up in strengths that aren't just a lawyer, right? I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a business. You know, I'm a I own businesses. I you know I like to travel. I'm engaged in politics. Like if all those things can come into how I can also support my clients, isn't that even better for them? I'm Jack Newton, CEO and co-founder of Clio, the world's leading cloud-based legal software provider. In each episode of Daily Matters, we'll explore what this new normal means for law firms, how legal professionals can find success while working remotely, and how lawyers can best serve their clients during this unprecedented situation. Today's guest is Kim Bennett, founder of K. Bennett Law, a boutique subscription legal services law firm. Kim, it's Legal Industry Transformation Week on a podcast, and we're thrilled to have you here. I'm excited to be here and for an awesome topic and week of uh, uh, in, in innovation and transformation. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to talking about that with you. And uh, to kick things off, Kim, can you tell me what is on your mind most right now? Right now, most, I think, is just uh, staying the course and figuring out how I can still um, create the legacy that I wanted to create when I first started um, down this path of being a, you know, which was first a solo, which I don't want to do that anymore, but this path of like going into the entrepreneur space and really driving the impact that I want to see in my personal, professional and political life. So. Can you tell us a little bit more about your law firm? And and you you talked about uh, a bunch of different paths you're interested in. You talked a little bit about entrepreneurship. Can you just tell us about your journey and, and how things look for you right now? Sure. Um, my journey to where I got here, I, I started in corporate, um, traditional path. Well, actually, probably not a traditional path because I didn't go into a firm coming out of law school, but I went into a, in a company, worked in labor, came out before the market crashed. So this isn't my first time dealing with, um, you know, interesting times and dealing with a major impact to our industry and how we thought about how we want to move forward in practice. And so I came out then, market crashed, it changed a little bit of the trajectory of where I could grow in my organization, was still there. And then eventually when I went out um, about 10 years ago now, almost 10 years to the, almost 10 years ago, like to the day soon, um, I thought, well, how do I still grow as a professional now that we're in this space? And fast forward to today, that looks like, you know, building a practice that I didn't have a name for it before that was called subscriptions. It was just a thing I pitched to somebody one time. They said, yes. I was like, damn, when they said yes so fast, but I was like, yikes, it worked. <laughs> and, um, right. and then just like, you know, really designing a practice and a business that works for me and how I want to show up and the clients I want to serve and, you know, felt good internally and externally. And so that, I mean, that's where I am today. And my, my firm does subscription legal services, does trademark and business strategy for large organizations now, but, you know, we've worked across that gamut of different organizations. So so a couple of things uh, to remark on there. Number one, this is not your first uh, recession. You've seen a downturn before. And, and, and maybe like me, there's many uh, founders I talk to in the, in the technology space that have, have never seen a recession, have never seen a downturn, and, and they've been enjoying the 10 or 11 years of a bull run we've had uh, over the last little while, and, and this is the first major speed bump they've seen. Tell us uh, what that looked like on the, the legal side for you, the, the first downturn. 
Yeah, I think um, I came out in 07 uh, as a grad. And I'll say I also went into law school. Um, I was in law school for a long time. I was in law school for five years because I was in a dual degree program at the time. And so I watched my friends come out in 05, get, you know, amazing jobs that you want, right? It was the height. Everyone was making money. Money was thrown everywhere in the law and the legal community, right? Like we all can, re- well, if you were there, you can remember what it was like then. I right. came in at 07. It was still pretty good. And then once the market crashed, I mean, you really did see a shift. You saw a lot of um, people, you know, friends that I had, that were a little bit younger than me in their career, um, lost opportunities, right? Summer jobs were, were pulled. People were laid off. Um, you know, I think just trying to plan on what their future looked like, particularly as young attorneys trying to grow and learn and get, um, feel comfortable in the era of practice that, that you're, you know, embarking on. So you saw, I think a lot of what we're starting to see now, people a bit fearful of what, what the future is going to look like. Um, you know, people not sure of what, what, what the next step to take at that time, technology was not a thing. Right. So I think it was a little bit harder for people to think through what, what the opportunities existed. And then you saw, you know, others that were like, well, okay, if this is, this is going to happen, what are my other options? Right. What else can I do? How do I still grow and develop? And so you saw different, you know, different mindsets happening, different, different people taking a diff- different approaches. But I think at the end, through it, years later, you, you saw everyone came out of it, right? The, the, the industry still still survived. I mean, the industry had to shift, right? Um, what, what work that used to be done in a firm maybe didn't have to stay in firms. You start seeing growth of like e-discovery platforms, Clio, right? Things like that were, you know, coming out. And so at, at that moment for me, I can say at least it was in the two years after the market crash when I decided to, you know, go out on my own. It was, well, how do I design a business that allows me to work from anywhere? How do I design a business that, uh, that doesn't have the restrictions that look like, um, that made it hard for my friends to survive, right, during that downturn? And that is how I moved, and that's the, that's the mindset I went into my practice with. And I think that's then prepared me for, for this happening. And things in between, that's also happened in our world. But I think that 10-year, you know, growth of it being amazing what was good, but everything has a cycle, right? And so I think preparing yeah. for it and understanding that, that that could happen. And then not, um, for me, I think the resilience of having gone through it before is really important today because I don't, I'm not as fearful. Like when the market, when, when, when everything started happening with COVID from a health perspective, but not from a business perspective. Right, right. So the second thing you commented on was uh, this new business model, subscription business model. And I'd love to, to spend a few moments talking about that as well. Uh, what do you mean when you say a subscription legal service? Yeah, so I, the simplest form I would say to someone, it's like flat fee on steroids, right? It is flat fees over and over and over again. It's recurring revenue. It's, re, it's rethinking and it's at its base level, it's the simplest form. That's what it is. Just kind of thinking about how you bill in a different way. But I think a bigger, more transformative is more about how do you re- redesign how you practice? What, what, what things do you bring into your business to really improve efficiency? Um, think about automation, but go beyond that so that you have the time to be creative and curious in your practice so you can think outside the box. So for me, subscriptions at its baseline, it's just changing how you bill, right? It's getting, getting rid of hourly billing. It's moving to efficiency, tech-driven, automation, process-driven, um, business that's very, you know, client-centered, right? That's thinking about how do, how do you think about developing relationships and what, and what that looks like and, and showing up as the advisor. But then beyond that, it's like, well, how can I actually serve clients differently now that I have the capacity and the time to take a step away? And so that's, that, that, that's to me what subscription legal services in terms of like 
changing the way we think about the legal industry. I think there's a lot of opportunity when we have that space and, and that's what it's providing for me at least. Um, but at its core, it's really just how you build. And, and what was the epiphany for, for you to give this a try when you went out on your own and, and the first client you pitched it to seemed receptive to the idea, but what was the, what was the germ of the idea for you to, to give subscription services a try? Yeah, so it was losing money. <laughs> I mean, that was part of it. So I came. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think when you have a pain, right, and you want to solve a problem, you're thinking, well, how do I solve this problem? And that's where where it came from for me. And but taking us a, a step back further, um, I am trained in law and psychology, so I have a bit of that background that I think plays into how I think about things. But. I came out, like I said, in corporate, and that I think had a big influence too. I was paid consistently. I worked with clients in interesting ways that maybe looked like what we thought lawyers did and maybe not. And when I went out into solo space, into the small firm space, it was hourly billing is the only way. I did that, got, got retainers, and I lost a ton of money, a ton of money, stopped tracking it. And I thought, this can't be the way. This, isn't, this doesn't help me create a really happy attorney-client relationship. This doesn't allow me to show up as my best self. So what's a better way to do it that allows me to show up better, that gave me that feeling of, yeah, I could like get paid all the time consistently and still show up for my client and this, the money not be the friction of the, of the relationship because right. the, the point was something else. So that's where I was going for. I lost some money. I wanted to design a better you know, client experience. I wanted to design a better experience for myself as the practitioner. And, and then I thought, okay, let's just pitch somebody a, a number and see what they say. And they said, yes, so fast. And I thought, Oof, okay. And then I just started and, and I, that's where it started. Just like testing it, putting the idea out there to say, what would it be like if I was paid consistently month after month and didn't have to worry about hourly billing, that didn't have to worry about chasing after money, that, that really focused on solving the problems, listening to the client, showing up as my best self. And a subscription business model is interesting because it, I think actually solves many pain points for clients and it solves many pain points for lawyers as well. And I think there's so much opportunity for subscription services to be more widely used in, in legal, especially maybe in the context of a, a, a downturn like COVID-19 where cash flow is a big issue, both for clients and law firms. And it's maybe a way of actually bridging the gap for, for both where the step-in cost for legal services might be less, but you're guaranteed of you know, an income stream. And, and Kim, I interviewed you and highlighted you in, uh, in my book, The Clients at the Law Firm, which I think is, is over my right shoulder here. Um, and, and one of the, the facts that came out of that discussion that really blew me away was, was at the time, at least, I think it was on the order of 75% of your monthly revenues were coming in from subscription services. So you don't need mm -hmm. to go out and find new business every month. You don't need to worry about client development in the same way that that many lawyers that are doing the traditional hourly billing model do. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a hundred percent right. And that's proven itself right now for me. And I know I've been doing it for a while. And so for, for those that are new to it, you know, they might be having, you know, the ebbs and flows of working through something new for them, but that's exactly right. You know, and in times like this, having that, that consistency, having that stability. I mean, a lot of it, I, I looked at software companies, you know, I, I'm an early Clio user from like years ago in 2010, actually, yep. I've, I've been using it since then. And I watched, you know, I, I watched all these, all the companies come out and just do this model. And I thought, you know, like, how do you do those same things? And, and having that consistent, that consistent, stable, forecastable revenue is helpful, right? And right now it's shown that it's allowed for me not to freak out, right? It's allowed for me to think about 
still what, what the future looks like of, of my business, of how I practice and how I want to show up. And, and it gives the space to still really think about what's, why are clients aren't hiring me simply to pay, they're hiring me to solve problems, to listen, to think about workshop and strategize. And so I can show up in that way when we have consistent revenue coming in. So, right. So can you define yourself as an innovator, an entrepreneur, a legal industry disruptor, and a business coach that <laughs> happens to be a lawyer? I, I, I like that frame. And I'm, I also think it's a lot of hats to wear. Can you tell us a little bit about how you think about the role you're playing, you know, as a business person, as well as a lawyer? Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's true. It, it is, it is a lot of hats, right? I, and I think I recognize that I, earlier in my career, I think I glorified being a solopreneur a lot and not that, you know, I, I love it. I, I don't, I don't necessarily think we, there's a, many of us that really function as true solos anymore. Right. And nor do I think we should, but I think all those hats come from just how I show up in different, in different places. And some of them are really happen together. Some of them happen separately. Plus I have my life outside of those things, but um, my I came into the law because I wanted to create an impact, right? I wanted to be able to elevate my voice in ways that can help people that either look like me, that don't, don't look like me, that didn't have the same opportunities that I've had, you know, and to change the outlook for not just today, but for, you know, the future and beyond when I'm even not here. And so I look at all those different pieces as pieces of the puzzle that helped me um, be who I am and show up as my best self. And I, and who happens to be a lawyer pieces because I, you know, we're, lawyers are great. I think we have a, a great place, but you know, it's not the only thing that makes, makes, who, makes me who I am. And I think it's important as we grow as an industry that we recognize that there are so many other pieces that need to be a part of this conversation. And so I don't want lawyer to be the thing that dominates the conversation. It's just, I'm a person here that shows up that wants to create change. I have some of this training that hopefully can, can contribute to the conversation and let's really come together collectively and collaboratively to really design a better industry that has a greater impact than you know we've we've been able to achieve thus far. Kim, this week we're focusing on the podcast on the themes of transformation and innovation in the legal industry. And you're obviously someone who's been on the cutting edge of many developments in the legal industry, employing new and innovative business practices at your law firm. Uh, one way I think to think about COVID nineteen and, and the the pressures it's putting on so many industries is that it's accelerating many changes that were already underway. And if we, if we look at, for example, the retail industry, there's mm -hmm. a lot of trends that would have happened over the next decade that are being you know, compressed into the space of, of a few months. And I'm curious what you see happening in legal, if you see some of the same trends that you might have observed happening prior to COVID-19 starting to accelerate uh, amidst the pandemic, and um, if so, what those trends might be. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think I'm hoping that we see just a tremendous transformation in the industry. That we see us, you know, if we think of the courts, I don't go into court, I'm not a litigator, but just how the court system worked, right? Seeing, hoping to see them rethink that entire model. I know you, you know, you've had previous conversations about that, and I'm looking forward to hearing more about that later this week, right? But like, you know, when it's um, I'm hoping to see like the the that 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 piece of the industry change, but I'm also hoping to see how we function, how big firms were structured change. I think a lot of when I think about you know seeing the development that's happened in our industry, and I always ask myself, well, what's the reason why we haven't been able to grow this market in ways that you know are sustainable? Um, what's the reason why 
we see, you know, some of the big firms we thought that were going to be here kind of, you know, collapse or, you know, the, the, you know, some of the technology innovations that are coming out to, you know, drive, you know, the future of this industry. Why, why are they not working? And I think it's because, you know, we're still using the same traditional way of building a firm. So I don't know what the future of the firm looks like, but I think court systems and then the future of what a law firm looks like. And I'm hoping we see acceleration in who can invest in firms, right? And that and and how, how we build and how we solve problems. I'm hundred percent agree with you that it's not about like the legal zooms of the world. It's not about them replacing. It's really expanding and really solving the greater need that's out there that we have yet yet to see. So I'm hoping to see courtrooms from a litigation perspective, because as a person that has to go into them, it's frustrating. And then from like the firm side, I'm also hoping to see that we, for lack of a better word, kind of blow up the, the, the law firm model that is that exists and rethink that completely. Distributed teams, think about, you know, how technology solves, who, who's, who's supporting and being able to invest, being really creative about how we design um, better opportunities to serve clients as whole people and use a systems approach to designing businesses. And so I'm hoping to see some of that as, you know, as, as where we go. Do I know it, what's going to happen? No, but I hope we stop using old models and really just get creative and curious about what new models will look like um, in the future. And getting creative and curious and creating some of those new models is, is obviously something you're, you're good at. Can you share something that you feel like you have as a, you know, a mindset or a perspective or maybe even a piece of your training that equips you to, to do that, that you think other lawyers might be well served to, to adopt or learn about when they think about reinventing their practice? Yeah, I mean, I think what's some, I, I, I'll give a lot to having the psych training. I think that's helped me just think through differently. Um, I was, I was everything but a, you know, but, but a PhD. So I was, I'm trained in clinical psychology. And mm -hmm. so my, my perspective comes from thinking about some of those theories, but I think taking a step back and saying, you don't have to do it the way it used to be done, right? Like there is an opportunity to still solve. And so, so one, getting, getting the community support, I think, is important. That's helped me because having, when, when you're questioning yourself and you're not 100% sure, having the people that will push back, but then will also support you, you know, along your creative endeavor, endeavors is important. But some of the things that, that's helped me, I would just giving myself to be, to be space to be, be creative, you know, getting coaching and support, knowing that I, don't do, that I can't do this alone, nor should I be doing this alone. Um, looking outside of our industry and really just embracing um, different viewpoints and, and listening to people that we're looking to serve or that could come into our industry. So I think being a, being a great listener and active listeners helped me a lot. I think that's one of the key pieces. Um, continuously learning and, ex and being able to explore what's out there and not being afraid to, to test something, you know, use it experimentation as like a part yeah. of how I operate. So I think, I think that's it. Like I, I'm an experimenter at heart. So, um, and I was, you know, grew up with the sciences as a big piece of what I do. And so just being not, not being afraid to test a hypothesis. Is it going to always work? No. So what? But, but you've tested it, you've tried it, and, and you'll learn from, from that, that experience that the next time you do it, it will be better. And I think that's what the subscriptions look like for me. But what it looked like when I first started is not what it looks like today. Things that I've learned took 10 years of learning, but I'm still here, I'm still growing, and someone else will have something even more creative to do. And it's it's with that testing and that experimentation mindset, I think is, is the best piece that I would tell people to adopt. You're applying the scientific method to, to legal. That's your, your alternate Twitter bio. You could think about that as a, a possibility. <laughs>
But I, like, I do think this idea of experimentation is a, is a really important one. And I, I think so many lawyers are, you know, more risk averse and, and change resistant than, mm-hmm. than average. And there's a, a giant opportunity to, I think, look at this crisis as an opportunity to experiment more just because the, the conditions demand it. So it, yes. it's maybe a great call to action that now's the time to experiment. If you have a new business model you want to try out, if you have a new way of delivering your legal services that you want to, you want to try out, there's no time like the present. And in fact, your clients and prospective clients are more willing to experiment with you than ever. Absolutely. And, and join up with other people. Don't be afraid to be, be collaborative. I think we have such a competitive industry instead of really thinking about, and, and I don't know if it's, let me not say that across the board, right? Because I do see um, pieces in the industry of, you know, changing where we really want to embrace collaboration. But embrace that. You, sh- you can't always do everything by yourself. And that's something that, you know, took a little too long for me sometimes in my, in my perspective to learn. So experiment and experiment with others, right? Test it. Experiment with your clients, with peers, with people that are not, you know, lawyers that maybe serve your clients in di- interesting ways. And be, don't be afraid to push, to push the boundaries. You know, like if we're, if we're going to create change, we can't keep on doing the status quo. It is time to move to a place where we're going to push boundaries, where we push back on ethics, right? And we tell the, and we say to the ABA, like, we understand your, your perspective, but is that still serving the needs of clients and attorneys? When we look about our suicide rate, there's a reason those things exist. They didn't happen. They, they happen because of, of, of context and circumstances. So let's really, you know, take a little step to, to reduce some of that risk aversion. But if you right. use experimentation as, as a way, at least you will, you'll be guided by, um, a, an end goal, right? A thought, you know, uh, you know what, what you're looking to track and measure to see if it's even effective. So, you, you talk in your Twitter bio about disrupting the legal industry one state bar at a time. Uh, and and I, I love that frame, frame and disruption is a term that's thrown around a lot. And I'm, I'm wondering what it means to you, Kim, when you think about the legal industry and what needs disrupted about it. You've, you've touched on a couple of things in our conversation so far. It sounds like the regulatory mm-hmm. landscape is one piece of it. You know, the way that lawyers think about delivering their legal services and their relationships with clients is another. The business models they use. Uh, can, can you just elaborate a little bit more on what disruption means to you and, and what some of those key pillars might be around, around what needs disrupted in legal? Yeah, so I think about disruption as the place where you shake things up, right? Where, where you're saying, hey, I'm breaking free of the status quo and I'm doing things differently and you're starting to prove it, right? Beyond it, then you can get to the leader piece and all that because you've, you've proven it and you've, you've gotten to that place where it's not even, it's almost becomes the norm. But I definitely look at our industry is ripe for it. It's, there's so many places and opportunities and, um, unfortunate places that we are not, we're, we're holding ourselves back because of how it's structured. I mean, I think right now when we look at the world and we watch all these amazing individuals that went through law school, put all their time and effort to now say, well, a bar exam is keeping you from practicing law. Does that actually make sense anymore? Does it, are we saying that I'm a lawyer, I don't know everything. I go look up things when I have, when I have a question about something. I, you, they spent so many years in school to do all those things. So I look at disruption I look at um, 
disruption as a way to change what the status quo was and to prove it through experimentation that, hey, this, this can work. And if we put more effort behind it, we can actually change the, the, the trajectory of, a, of an industry. And in this case, of, you know, a way of, of doing a particular service, you know, if you were in another industry, maybe like for doctors of, you know, designing a new way of doing a surgery. So I look at disruption as the place to test and tweak and experiment and to prove that it works so that we can take it to the next level. And um, for personally, I want to see that happen in a lot of places. And you mentioned a bunch, right? Regulatory, for sure. I want to see it, you know, you know, even down to how once you come out of law school, I think the bar exam needs to be abolished. I don't think it makes sense. Um, I would love to see investments, right? I would love to see models, like you said. And that's not, not, not simply because just for the sake of doing it, but for a purpose. So purposeful disruption that leads to actually greater impact and actually focus on what's the purpose of our role in this in this industry our role is not to is to serve clients to serve to serve the community and right now i think the way we are designed is not really um it's not it's not affecting those uh, that we're supposed to serve in the ways that, that we need to and so it's time for a change and so if it means one state bar at a time because unfortunately we're, we're designed to operate state by state which i think is archaic and needs to go as well then, you know, it'll be one state bar at a time. One state bar at a time. <laughs> Love it. Uh, so, Kim, let's go back to your firm for a moment and, and talk about some of the impacts you've seen from COVID-19 and, and maybe some of the adaptations you've, you've had to make to your business model in response to what your clients are going through with, uh, with the crisis. Can you walk us through a little bit of what you've seen in terms of impacts and what some of those adaptations might, might be? So maybe, and, I, and I'll say this, I feel blessed to say this, that I, we haven't changed much. Um, because we are a client-centered law firm, because we, I, I believe part of my role is to communicate well with my clients. Am I perfect at that every single moment? No, right? Like I'm a human being. But I, you know, in this time, we've just, I guess, doubled down on communication, really double down and really like trying to like engage our clients and talk to them and make sure, you know, how do we help best, you know, support you during, during this time. But we are, we, we sit as like a team member, right? So we come in in that, with, with that perspective and that mindset. And so that I think in times like this shows up well for our clients. And so what, how, how has it impacted the firm? I mean, I, I think definitely you'll see, you know, a slight decrease in the number of people that are looking for um, certain services, but we still get inquiries. We're still, you know, we're still taking calls. We're still um, onboarding new people. Um, I just hired a person to my firm within the last, you know, a little over a month ago. And so our goal is to still grow because our services are still, still going to be needed. We know that as you've stated in your book, as we, you state, you know, through Daily Matters and across all of the, you know, material that Cleo puts out, that there's an unmet need there. So there's still a lot for us to do. And to me, this is a time for us to show up more. So this looks like us trying to show up more, trying to think through our, how, our visibility strategy, thinking about how we, you know, um, support those that maybe can't afford us. I, I believe we have a duty to educate. And so how do we educate the, the, the community so that they are informed um, consumers of legal services too, and just informed about the world because everything touches legal. So that's how it's looked in my firm. It's just really showing up as our best selves and um, supporting our clients through this because it's tough for them. Um, and just being pragmatic that if the world, if everything goes down, okay, that means so, so will us, so, so will we, but it's not going to be the end of what we do. We just have to show up and do our best 
and we will be here when it's time to pick up, you know, and pick up the pace again. So it sounds like thanks to your subscription business model where so much of your monthly revenue is, is secured through the recurring revenue stream that is your subscriptions, uh, your, your clients still need those services maybe more than ever, and you're actually doing hiring in this climate. Yeah, so absolutely. So I, here's the thing that how we view this. So we, we sit as a team member to our clients, and I think that's a part of the designing of the subscription. And so when someone's thinking about moving into this model, being very intentional about how you're designing it and how you intend to show up for your clients is key. And for us, that is just amplified right now. And so we, through, through this time when clients are having, you know, having to strategize about all the things that are happening in their business, really, really concerned about how they manage their teams, thinking about, you know, how do they have to pivot maybe some of their products. It's really being able to be a partner to have those, those deeper discussions. And I think it's an opportunity that a lot of lawyers are missing, right? Because we want to come in in this box in this, in this nice, like pretty little box of like what fits a, what a lawyer is supposed to do. And I think that's, that's a, a missed opportunity because for a lot of people, we're the only time they, 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 they you know, interacted with a lawyer, particularly on like more of the consumer side or the family side. But in, in my world with business, I might be the beginning of that, of that relationship. And that's how I actually position myself as one of the beginning pieces of it. And so I want to help develop what it, what it could look like. How, how do we sit, right? How do we help you strategize through the ebbs and flows? Because if you only think, of a, think about us as reactive, then you're only going to come to us when you're in fires. But if I help you strategize and be, be, be proactive and be intentional about your, your, your thinking about how you build your business, and I can show up in strengths that aren't just a lawyer, right? I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a business, you know, I'm a, I own businesses. I, you know, I like to travel. I'm engaged in politics. Like if all those things can come into how I can also support my clients, isn't that even better for them? And so in, in my, in my world, it's just kind of showed the way we, we've designed it, how we want to show up for our clients is, has been amplified in this time. So if, if anything has been changed, it's that we want to double down on the idea that we're here to support our clients, that we are here to communicate with our clients that, yes, I'm a lawyer, but I'm more than that, right? It, I'm a, that's a hat I wear, right? It's not the only right. hat. And then I can show up for ways that are really helpful. And so in our industry, when we're thinking about disruption back to our earlier conversation, and, you know, even how, you know, liability insurance happens when you want lawyers to stay in a very small box. And that's just not realistic with how businesses and people work because people are a part of a larger system. And until we start taking a systems approach to a lot of the things that we're dealing with, whether it's law firms or schools or hospitals, right, healthcare, we're going to keep on having these big um, crises of, how, of how, how we design it because we're not really thinking about the full picture. And so that's my goal, to think about the full picture of the client and to serve them in ways that don't always have to look like a traditional lawyer. So Kim, outside of your law practice, you one of the many hats you wear, you, you also coach women to help them build modern businesses. Uh, and you're the organizer of two legal tech communities in Atlanta. Can you tell us a little bit about why you, you do these things, what you uh, get out of them, and what you're hoping to achieve with them? Yeah, for, for the coaching business, I mean, I coach lawyers and non-lawyers. A lot of them are lawyers, but um, because my goal is to create, you know, impact. And I know if I if I kept the model that I did and how I think about it to myself and what does that serve? That doesn't really help change things on a, you know, it doesn't help change things exponentially. So my goal is to have, you know, real impact. And so I want to share some of that and support people as they're shifting to do things a bit differently in their industries. And so that looks like design, like, you know, 
great, the same things that you're talking about, the innovative mindset, thinking about, you know, taking, taking those risks, being intentional about it, you know, being able to think about the impact that you want to create and designing for that um, as early as possible so that you can test and tweak it. And so for me, that allows for me to serve more people. I recognize that I, as, as an individual, there's only 24 hours in a day. And so with the coaching gives me just a greater opportunity to work with more people in a, in a, um, structured, in a structured manner. And so it's, it's been really rewarding to be able to see people build, build businesses um, that work for them, that don't necessarily look like the business that I did, but that's, that's the goal for you to build something that works for you and the clients that you want to work with and the way that you want to show up. So that's coaching, which I love. Um, and I do that and she leads the law. And then in my uh, communities, I have Atlanta Legal Tech, which is our, um, which we grew out of a meetup. So we have um, Atlanta Legal Tech and Atlanta Legal Hackers, which is two meetup groups that we started, right? And um, actually, we didn't start. We took over <laughs> other yep. people that had them. And and myself and Jen Downs thought, well, you know, they're not doing anything. Let's like kind of take it over a little bit. And then we met Aaron along the way. And Aaron was like, yeah, let's do it. And then we started really just wanting to create local change. Like we, we all go to Clio. We, I love Clio Cloud Conference. Um, clearly, I've been a user for 10 years. Yep. So I love everything Clio, right? And we wanted to take some of what we experienced there and bring it locally and really kind of help people go from, you know, inspired to, to action, right? And to get people to say, you can create change if you make small steps, right? It doesn't have to turn overnight. Fine, maybe, maybe we are risk adverse. Maybe you're not gonna do the things that I do. But if I can help you see, take those small steps systematically, strategically, like consistently, you will see that impact over time. And so that's what we do here locally. And that's been what we did in Atlanta. And now that's, it's broader because of COVID. That's something that, that shifted. We've, we've, um, we launched a, a membership community because of that, because we wanted to still um, help create that change we want to see in the, in the industry um, and keep the connection that we know is really important and really build that collaborative piece that allows people to hear different perspectives and to, to workshop what it looks like to be innovative in a space that maybe is a little bit more risk adverse. And have you found that the translation of these communities into a uh, digital world has worked effectively? Have you, have you been doing virtual meetups or have any other kind of virtual gatherings where people can connect? Yeah. So, well, for, for She Leaves a Law, which is my coaching community. So actually I will say this as a provider, I've always done, I've done video for some, for some time now. So I've always like um, worked in the virtual space when I came out, even though I'm a subscription law firm, I also built it with the idea of working from anywhere. So that's why mm -hmm. I actually chose Clio, right? Cause it allowed me to work from anywhere from the very beginning when most of the things didn't. So, um, so I've always designed for like a virtual opportunity and space to connect. And so now in our other spaces, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's still working. We, we moved an in-person workshop in March that was supposed to happen to completely virtual and people loved it. And you just designed for that, right? You really thought about what's the experience you want people to have? Like, what does it feel like when they, if they were, were in person, how do they have some of those connections? Is it perfect? The, the first version? No, of course not. But can you learn and iterate? That's what we're doing. So yeah, we're, we're having a, another virtual one coming up soon. So, and, and you guys gave away a great prize on our last one. So. Excellent. Excellent. Glad to, <laughs> glad to hear that. Uh, well, Kim, this has been a fantastic conversation. Thanks so much for, for spending the time with us, sharing uh, a little bit more about how you think about innovating in legal and disrupting in legal. It's been so much fun chatting with you. I want to close out with one final question, which is this coming Friday, you're participating in one of our Innovate Legal online virtual meetups. And the topic for that event is rethinking your law firm during a downturn. 
Can you give us a little bit of a sneak peek in terms of what you'll be addressing over the course of, uh, of that online meetup? Well, one of the things I would say is make sure you come because we're going to make sure it's tailored to what you're, the questions that you have. So that's, that's part of it. But it's really taking a step back to think about how do you want to show up, right? And thinking about what does that look like? If you could wipe the slate clean and, re, and re, redesign from just an, a creative, curious space, how, how can you start that process? How can you take one small step today to start moving that engine down that train track, right? And or moving that train down, down that train track. And so we're going to talk about, you know, how I've applied design thinking, how I think about subscription services, how I think about, um, you know, like we were talking about today, you know, really thinking about what the future of my life looks like and the impact that I want to create and how do I design for that today to create the future that I want to see. So I'm excited to help share that so that others can start implementing those things in their lives today. Amazing. So if our conversation today piqued your curiosity, you get to go more in depth on Friday, May 22nd, featuring Kim and other industry panelists. Uh, if you're listening and are interested in attending this free online event, uh, click the link in this episode's description. Kim, thanks so much for joining us today. Really enjoyed our conversation. Uh, stay healthy out there. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on Daily Matters today, a podcast from Clio. Rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Daily Matters is produced by Andrew Booth, Sam Rosenthal, and Derek Bolin, and hosted by yours truly, Jack Newton. Thanks also to Clio, the world's leading cloud-based legal technology provider for supporting this podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Clio, please visit clio.com. 